You can find the comic book characters on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash kneelbeforepod or follow us on Twitter at cbcharacters. You can also email us at cbcharacters at gmail.com. And now you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Search comic book characters. Hey everyone out there in the CBC universe, it is your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Alfred, and as always, I've got my gracious co-host, Chris, the creator, Gossidus! Hey, 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 yo, what's up, homie, how you doing? It has been a while, sir, it's been a... It's been a while? It's been a... No, no, never. You know the rules. (laughs) No stains. No stained, no limp biscuit, no creed, no nickelback on combo characters. Okay, that's fine though. You wanna <laughs> you wanna do a little chop suey. Where'd you put the keys though? They're out men. They've been on the table for a They've minute. Been on the table for a while. Um already already off the rails immediately. It has <laughs> been a San Antonio minute since we've been on. Ooh, um, low and slow. We had the Alamo City Comic Con happen. Uh, since we've last recorded a podcast, Wonder Woman came out and uh, exceeded expectation financially and I think um, artistically, commercially, and so on. We'll touch on that. Lots of things that happened. Uh, Tom Hardy's in the news. Uh, going to be added to the Evans list. We'll get on that. Uh, but we're going to actually start off with something pretty sad and somber. This this happened this morning, unfortunately, actually. Um, and that is the passing of Mr. Adam West. Uh, rest in peace, Adam West. Of course, Adam West, probably best known as as Batman, as the Batman, the first, the original, the OG Batman from the Batman television series back in the 60s. Uh, to newer generations, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to the newer generation of kids, uh, might know him as the mayor from uh, Family Guy. So, you know, actually, Mayor, kind of, Mayor Adam West, Mayor Adam, yeah, literally Mayor Adam West kind of maintained relevance through multiple decades, which is a hard thing to do. You know, ask, mm. ask Madonna what she's up to these days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, but Chris, let me ask Shots you, fired. Yeah, let me ask you this. Of course, every, like, again, this is a comic podcast. So, you know, my frame of reference is this is the Batman TV show. Yeah. Um, if if that is where you know him best from, is there a particular episode, or maybe the the you know the TV movie that came out, any particular scene that you fondly you know remember? Oh man, with, with Adam West, or maybe it's the Family Guy thing. I mean, where do you where do you pull <laughs> for Adam West? Well, I, I grew up watching Nick and Knight. Um, right. I mean, I'm not old enough to be first run of this of his Batman series, but uh, I definitely did tune into Nick and Knight like when I was like six. Or five, and I just was mesmerized. I, I was enthralled by the whole uh, by the whole series. Yeah. Um, I, I was such a I was such a little. I didn't really have any frame of reference when they said, "So we'll see you next week, guys." I didn't know that the next episode, the continuation of that two parter story, was a, was right after. So I was like, "Okay, cool." And I turned off the TV. And I was like, "Oh man, next Saturday's gonna be oh, it's gonna be so awesome. I'm gonna see what happens next." But you know, it was a completely different arc. By the next time I saw it, right, because you missed uh, that episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would have just come on right after. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I can't really pick one instance out. Uh, I guess what stuck in my head because it became an internet meme was him running with the bomb. Yeah, 
um, on the pier trying to get rid of it. And as soon as I saw like the ending for uh, the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight Return Rises, I was like, "Oh, that's the exact same thing. It's it's ending just like that, just like that meme." <laughs> he's, right. he's running away with a bomb to the water. Yeah, you know that's totally true. I never thought about that. That, <laughs> that is. Do you think that, that was intentional? Like that is actually I a hope, super. My God, I hope it was. That's like a high budget nod to a ridiculous <laughs> moment. Yeah, in a, in a TV, television show, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly what he's doing. Well, if anything, it speaks to the touchstones of that character of Batman. Like, I mean, the even when he's kind of campy in the '60s, he's still kind of self-sacrificing. He's still, you know, right. taking putting the team on his back, as it were. And that's the great thing about these iconic characters, like a Batman, a Spider-Man, Superman, uh, even Wonder Woman. If you can stay true to their character, there's a lot of different stuff you can do with them. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Adam West Batman and the Christian Bale Batman are worlds apart from each other. But there you go. You just gave a perfect example of of how it's the same character, you Mm -hmm. know, even if they're these different iterations of that character. For me, same thing, man. I I was first introduced to, to Batman, the television show on Nick at Night, and I loved the opening title sequence, you know, like the opening uh, credits were so amazing. The song, uh, so the song, the, how colorful it was. It looked like a comic book kind of come to life. And you just got to think, you know, we're, we're so caught up nowadays, 2017, right? Mm. And everyone's got their tablets and their smartphones and, you know, they've got YouTube and they've got Facebook live and Snapchat and all that stuff. Everyone's trying to live feed everything. There's just so much going on. But back then, back in the 60s when the show came out, there were like three network stations. Oh, yeah. And that was it. And so when this show became Captive a audience. Yeah, when this show became a hit, it became a mega hit. Mm-hmm. Like everyone in the country was watching this show. And, you know, I even, I've even spoken to both of my parents and they fondly remember the show. They remember watching it when they were younger, you know, when it first aired. And um, I just, no, I, I, I like you. I remember even going into like my maybe early teens, they were still showing it at Nick at Night. Um, but he'd be on like at one in the morning. And yeah. I, I would stay up watching it, man. Like, I, I loved watching those episodes. <laughs> and uh, to, to all the listeners out there, I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, that this, this is why it's happening, but because of the passing of, of Mr. Adam West, a lot of places online like Amazon and so on, they're selling the remastered Blu-ray and DVD sets of the, the complete television series. And I have that thing on Blu-ray. Let me tell you, they did an amazing job remastering the show. It's got a ton of extra features. Uh if you've got a few extra bucks, do you want to, you know, have a good weekend binging something? I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. It, it looks hmm. amazing. The colors are beautiful. Uh, you, the detail is so high that you can even see Cesar Romero's like mustache. Oh like, yeah, coming through With the, the Joker paint? makeup. Yeah, like you can see it in the high def Blu-ray stuff. So, uh, but I mean, now is of course a perfect time to revisit all of that. Um. Yeah, man, I like you know the bat tusi, right? The bat dance, you right, know yeah. that like people remember that. Even just very recently in the Lego Batman movie, which is coming out next week uh, to home video release, they do a little quick scene from Batman from the television show in that movie. 
Oh, wow. Like, and it's not even animated. It's like the actual show. <laughs> There's like a small clip in there with Adam West dancing. <laughs> so that just shows you, like, even though we've multiple decades since it's actually aired, it's still relevant. It's still something that people, you know, that reson- uh, uh, resonates resonates with people. Thanks. Um, but, of course, rest in peace, Mr. Adam West. Uh, you will be fondly remembered and forever missed, of course. Um, so, uh, you know, going from a somber, uh, topic like that, I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy that, that we get to do something I, we've literally never done on this show. What's or you mean? Like talk, uh, the disgustingly real and affecting politics of the day. <laughs> I mean, do you want to go? By the way, <laughs> oh <let's>, no! <laughs> that's, I see, opened up a portal you, you accidentally world. opened that door up. But uh, Rod Nuremberg won the mayoral oh, election here in San Antonio. It's just—I mean, I know it's super niche, like you know, but it's just—it's—it's it's so mind blowing that that happened. Like no one thought that was going to happen. He was trailing by like what 15, 20 points yeah. going up to the election. Got close enough to to get the runoff, and then wins the runoff. It's, I mean, I'm not trying to get political here, but just that in and of itself, and what it sort of represents in terms of demographics and sort of message, is really interesting for San Antonio, and it'll be really uh, cool and interesting to see what happens moving forward. Uh, I think. So that's all I got to say. About you. You got, do you have any words on that? Do you want to touch that one? or uh, uh, A man beat out a woman? I uh, guess that's oh! the correct, correct uh, <laughs> segue to Wonder Woman. Golly. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that was my fault. That was my fault for getting it real local and real political here. Uh, yeah, okay, Wonder Woman. What I meant when I said that this is going to be the first time that we've done this on the show is we are going – I'm spoiler alert – we are going to talk about a DCEU film that we both liked. Yep. That was actually enjoyable to watch. Yep. That's Wonder Woman. Don't send a man to do a Wonder Woman's job, apparently. Hey. And that's fine. That's fine. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get DC on back on track. Yeah. Uh, they finally learned their lesson. Jeez. Okay, so uh, Chris, it's it's my favorite part, my favorite segment of uh-huh. any of these shows. Uh oh, what happened in Wonder Woman? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the the T bro version of it. Yeah, just go real, just just condense that thing down. Beat by beat, yeah, yeah. So I seen it the once. Um, yeah. Fill me in if I miss any beats here. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's yeah, let's jump right in. So I believe we open up in Paris. We open up at the Louvre, right. where uh, Diana is kind of taking the position of antiquities uh, curator. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets a package from Wayne Industries, or Wayne, the Bruce Wayne sent her the original photo of her back in Batman vs Superman, uh, back in World War One, where she's with her squad. Uh, so that she, looking over the photo, kind of finally reminisces and triggers the triggers the movie. This is the story for the other day she was talking about. Um, it opens back in Themyscira, with the island of Amazons that Zeus created to protect the world from Ares. Um, the, the hidden island of the Amazons, Themyscira, mm-hmm. 
where she's just a little girl. She's kind of running around. She's having a great time, kind of like mimicking the moves of the the warrior princesses, the 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 training Amazons. Mm-hmm. She wants to be one a, a, a member of their rank one day. Um, it kind of continues to see the rest of the mascara, uh, the completely Amazon uh, controlled island. Her mom, um, and I'm gonna screw it up now. <laughs> uh, it's not hip. It's not Hippolyta, but her mom's Hippolyta. name. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I think I might get I might be getting that wrong too, but I think it's Hippolyta. Yeah. <laughs> That's Hippolyta. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hippolyta. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking anti. Oh, the the Jenna. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to Aunt Jenny later, but <laughs> Hippolyta kind of tells the story, the origin story of the Amazons, of the mascara, of how the Olympian gods get kind of started warring, and Ares battle for control over Zeus, and Zeus kind of in a final uh, act of making uh, Ares kind of kowtow to him and final act of desperation created the Amazons on Themyscira to kind of protect the world if Ares should ever come and try to rule it again. After that, we get uh, more shots of Diana kind of growing up and finally becoming a, being able to be part of this training that the Amazons do, this war training. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, ter- it turns out she actually has a bunch of powers that she really doesn't know too much about. Her right. mom kind of Keeps her away from the training as long as possible, but she's actually very powerful. And just just as she's kind of blocking one attack from her aunt uh, and Tyope, yeah, um, she kind of um, she kind of blows everybody back because of the the way she responded to the to the attack. Uh, after that happens, um, we get Steve Trevor. Is that his name? Yeah, Steve Trevor. Two first Steve names. Trevor. Always, always, uh, always watch out for the dudes with two first names, ladies. A little sus. I mean, they should have picked one. Um, Just, it, it's, it tends to be a thing. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jake Ryan. <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, Steve Trevor crash lands onto Themyscira, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, Diana is first on the scene. She she rescues him. And following not too far behind are the Germans who are pursuing Steve Trevor. Uh, he was running away from the German uh, cruiser because he'd stolen some secrets from a Turkish kind of uh, camp they had in the Ottoman Empire. Um, Steve Trevor's a spy. She can't, he can't really relate that right now. All he knows is that he's the good guy, and those are the bad guys, and Diana is going to protect him with the help of the other Amazons. This is an open attack on Themyscira. They know how to respond. The Amazons leap from off the cliff ahead, up, up above, kind of shooting arrows, and having kind of like uh, these bungee <laughs> cords, I guess, or just really just ropes. Um, kind of reminded me. If you don't want me to interrupt you real quick. Kind of reminded yeah, yeah. me of uh, Attack on Titan for those. Oh yeah, people that are fans of that show or, or manga or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's, that's a great bull. That's all I got. <laughs> anyway, they it's a it's a kind of a lopsided battle because it's guns versus arrows, but the Amazons do defend the mascara. They hold the, they hold the Germans back at the beach, um, not without a few casualties here and there. Uh, bullets are something new to the Amazons, and one catches uh, Antiope. Uh, because it was meant for Diana. Diana's the the princess. Uh, she's the daughter of the queen, so they had to protect her at all costs, even if it means the most uh, the most rugged warrior of the bunch kind of taking a yeah, ball. Yeah, she's for the her. general. Yeah. Yep. So after that, they kind of has Steve Trevor up. Uh, they're kind of interrogating him with uh, Hestia's lasso of truth, um, and he kind of spills all his secrets. He's a spy for the Americans. Um, he's helping out the war effort for the Allies. 
he was stealing secrets about uh from he was stealing secrets from Doctor Maru Maro. Doctor Maru. Yeah, uh, the Doctor Poison, whatever. She's developing even deadlier nerve agents uh, than mustard gas to use in the in the war effort for the Germans. Um, so he steals that, and he's leaving. He's he's running away from the Ottoman Empire base, and the Germans followed him to Themyscira. That's just, that's about as much as he can relate to them. Um, they believe a story. Um, they kind of debate whether they should just let him live or kill him right here and now, just be <laughs> yeah. done with the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty realistic because they don't. This is the first encounter they have with the outside world. It turns out that the mascara is actually inside the real world. It's just protected. It's kind of hidden in a little pocket, I guess, pocket universe or something. Um, it's it's accessible to the to the outside world. Just nobody really finds it that much. Um, Steve Trevor kind of has a little repartee with uh, with Diana, and they kind of come to see. He kind of comes to try to persuade her to let, let him leave so he can get back and he can stop the war. The entire world's at stake, he tells her. So, and she knows the stories of old. She knows that the Amazons are sworn to protect the world from Ares. If right. there's war, if there's war happening, it's probably the result of Ares. Right. Based on that, she goes and takes the, the holy kind of uh, the the sword left to them by Zeus, the god The god killer, god killer, yeah. yeah. God killer. And takes the, takes the shield, takes the sword, and she kind of uh, tells her mother that she's doing this. She knows that her mother won't like this, but she, it's something she has to do because if Ares is in the world, it's her duty to stop him. Um, so there's a boat prepared. Uh, Steve, Trevor, and Diana leave against um, Hippolyta's uh, wishes, but she understands. Um, they kind of make it to London after, I, I'm assuming, a week or two. Um, they did hitch a ride. But uh, after many double entendres and a night spent upon, on the boat, they arrive in London um, to where they finally try to get to some high-ranking official in the, in the war chamber, I guess, to um, try to get some recognition of the secrets that Steve has. Um, it kind of goes over all right. They, they finally do hear what Steve has to say, but it's not going over well. They're... they're Days away, they suspect from the armistice, from ending the war, and they don't want to, you know, throw a monkey wrench into it now. Right, they don't want to rock the boat at this point. Right, this is unacceptable to Diana. Diana sees the world in pretty, sees her duty in pretty stark terms. That she needs to do this. She needs to go to the front wherever the war is, so she can defeat Ares. Uh, this is the only thing on her mind. Because of that, Steve will help her. Steve uh, recognizes this is something he needs to do as well because. All that rhetoric he was talking about back in Themyscira, tr- just trying to get out, he actually believes. He actually does think he needs to do something to stop this war. So, based on that, he's going to assemble together a ragtag group of uh, Howling Commandos? Right, they're essentially the DC's version of the Howling Commando. I think they're called the Black Hawks. Okay. But they're not They're not referenced by name, but I think that's the, uh, the group in the DC comics. All right. That they're loosely based off of. I didn't catch all the names. Saeed was one of them. Uh, an actor... Who could uh, kind of weasel his way into anything? Uh, a Charlie, Charlie's the Scottish dude. Scottish uh, rifleman. And they eventually meet up with Chief, uh, of course, yeah. a Native American. Uh, not really participating in the war, but not really kind of profiteering, kind of helping. But he's out there, too. Yeah. Anyway, they finally make their way to the, the front lines. And it's the worst that World War One has to offer. It's uh, whole families displaced, uh, villages bombed out. 
um, battle lines that are they haven't moved for since the inception of the war. Right. Uh, seeing this, uh, Diana springs into action. Uh, she can't help but help. So, literally springs into action. Yeah, she bounds out of the trenches uh, and starts running down the machine gunning Germans across across no man's land. Um, the, every every English soldier sees that she's taking the brunt of the fire, and they decide to return fire, give some cover to Diana. She manages to clear out the machine gunner and most of that other German trench. So they make advances that they haven't made in years, thanks to just Diana being <laughs> being just a badass. Wanting, yeah, being badass, just wanting having having to do something. She has to do something. Um, after that, they kind of uh, that so. Action sequence, action sequence. Then I think they're in that town of Veld. Veld, right. Veld. Yeah, Veld. And um, same thing. They, she, they have to protect this town. It's kind of essential. It's very close to where they know the colonel and the, and the Dr. Poison to be. So it's kind of strategic, but they just need to save this town because they're being attacked. Um, after a sniper kind of pins them down, uh, and the Scottish sniper, Charlie, kind of can't return fire. He's kind of... Harry with the trigger. Um, Diana just kind of gets launched by Steve and the other commandos uh, to just bomb out the the top of the bell tower that the snipers kind of pinned him down from. Um, again, Diana has almost liberated... She's completely liberated a town. Yeah. <laughs> she has an immediate effect on the war. Um, after this, there's kind of hemming and hawing and deciding whether or not they need to kind of just rush in the front door or, and, and kill the colonel in charge, or if they need to, uh, or the general, whatever he is, um, or if they need to kind of do this some, some other back channels. Um, the the kind of member of the House of Lords that's kind of a, the head of the War Council, he, he really has control over Steve Trevor. He's played by uh, David Thewlis, uh Lupin from Harry Potter. From Harry Potter. I think his character's name is Sir Sir Winston or Sir Sir Patrick. Sir maybe? Patrick. Sir Patrick. Okay. Right. Sir Patrick. Sir Patrick. Again, member looks like me. Looks to be a member of the House of Lords, pretty upper echelon of the uh, English government. Um, he tells him under no circumstances is he uh, to approach the the German in charge. Uh, they're so close to the armistice. They they want this peace treaty to go through. So Diana, of course, again, this doesn't sit right with her because if Ares is out there, she needs to confront him. Uh, she goes to the ball. She kind of infiltrates. She kind of sizes up some lady and takes her dress, um, all with the sword still kind of like uh, donned on her back. Um, and also, actually, if you don't mind, I'll interject here yeah. real quick. The, at this point, she is under the sort of assumption that the general is Ares. Right. Right, so that's that's sort of why he's her primary target at this point. He's in charge of the war, after all. Right. So, um, and she knows that once Ares is gone, the war will stop. Men only war because of Ares' influence. Um, this doesn't happen. She actually kind of waltzes with the general. <laughs> uh, um, nothing really comes to pass during this ball. It's just that they kind of, they know that that's their target. And, you know, I guess they, they have to track him. Um, the commandos help Diana... Uh, track his whereabouts uh, back to the base where he's stationed, and um, and the next big action piece happens at night. Um, <laughs> it's a weird gripe of mine with the DCEU, but it happens at night. Um, she actually confronts him again, and this time he's she's able to best him. She's able to kill him. Um, 
Wait, so, I mean, that's it, right? That's the end of the movie. That, I mean, that, Right, yeah, no. The thing is, the war is still going on. What? People are still people are still fighting and dying. There's a big plane. There's a massive like triplane, <laughs> not a biplane, um, triple decker. It's gonna be loaded up with this new nerve toxin that they've per- finally perfected and gonna be uh, set to disperse the gas all over London. So, seeing this, the commandos on the ground, they don't know where Diana went. She's she's on her own at this point. Um, they're trying to stop this. The, Steve and Diana meet up for a second. Diana's kind of disillusioned. She has no idea. Why this is still going on? The war should have stopped. Maybe it's men that are corrupted. Um, but Steve kind of tells you something, and a bomb just blew up. So she can't really hear what he's saying. He's kind of mouthing uh, his last kind of parting words to her, and he kind of runs off to the plane that's set to leave, and with his own commando plan to, to stop the whole. Right. Okay. Uh, so the reason that she that she's disillusioned is that. It's kind of the big twist, actually, in the film. And it's mm-hmm. after she kills the general, who shows up but Sir Patrick. Sir Patrick. Sir Patrick all the, way from shows, London. all the way from London shows up. She's like, Sir Patrick, why are you here? Who, by the way, has been helping them sort of in secret to this point. Yeah, he's, and, been, and, yeah, he's really been uh, the, account, the accountant, I guess. <laughs> it's secret right, mission that they're on. Right, he's been the, the, the money behind it. And, yep. and so she... She then realizes, in order for him to be there, there's only one way he could be there. He starts kind of disappearing in front of her eyes. Yeah, too. He's, he turns into smoke. He like drifts around, and then she's like, "Wait a minute, you're Ares," and he goes, "Oh, you're right, my child, but I'm not. I am, but I'm also not who you think I am." And uh, he 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 and her like have a little tete a tete. He tells her that man is the folly of all creation. That his whole thing is that he doesn't do anything. Uh, all he does is put ideas out there, and man takes those ideas. And, and his put... crowning idea is the armistice that's destined to fail. Right. To, so the war so, perpetuates. So that man will essentially destroy himself. Right. Mankind will mm-hmm. destroy itself. Uh, so then they. So then uh, she. He offers, you know, for her to join him, so that he can return Earth to the paradise it was once before. This is when they start physically fighting, and it turns out, yeah, this dude is Ares. He can make shit fly through the air, and, like, he's very powerful. So then he, they run back and forth, and then he kind of bombs her at one point. She goes flying, lands kind of where Steve is, pick right back up where you were in the story. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, uh, he's definitely Ares. He, he even kind of forms armor around him and, like, claws out eye sockets for himself, which is an amazing sequence. Um, but, um... It's a full-on god fight between the two. Steve kind of goes off. She kind of doesn't realize what he's doing in the moment. Uh, she goes back to fighting Ares uh, because she's the only one who can. Um, the fight goes throughout the the whole of Ace. Um, they're throwing tanks at each other. At one point, she has the Dr. Poison, Dr. Maru, kind of like uh, underneath her. And she's holding a tank above her. And he's finally saying to her, go ahead and end it. She's the one that's evil. Humans are evil. And um, she finally hears what Steve was trying to tell her. He was just telling her that he loves her, that he has to go save this, that she kind of um, showed him that, you know, we have to, this world is worth fighting for. Um, this world is worth sacrificing for, and that's what he's doing right All, now. Including he's, the ultimate sacrifice, right? So Yeah. So he, he's up in the plane, and... Uh, so he has all of the, the, the nerve agent there, but he's taken the plane so high up into the air 
that uh, because it's hydrogen based and if he blows up the plane there, it'll safely disperse amongst the right. clouds, I guess. And that's that's what she sees, right? She sees as she's holding this tank above her head about to crush Dr. Moreau, um, the, she sees the plane blow up. She sees a blow. I think it might have been before that, actually. Yeah, I kind of screwed up a little bit. No, she, she, she sees it blows up. She kind of, uh, fueled by anger, she tears through the rest of the German troops. And then she kind of confronts Dr. Maru with the tank about to smash her. And then, given that one choice by Ares, she kind of decides to let... She, she's fighting on the side of love. It's love that motivates... She kind of loves this world, as flawed as it is. And she fights Ares instead. She lets Dr. Maru kind of... Uh, she doesn't kill her. She doesn't crush her underneath the tank. Um, she fights Ares to a standstill. To a standstill, and then she gets finally when Ares tries to use a lightning bolt power to to kind of crush her down. She returns it right back to him through his chest. Yeah, um, ridding the world of Ares for one one more time. Yep. And then, after that, yeah, uh, we get the denouement. We get uh, the war is over this time. Uh, that Ares was definitely the one at fault here. According to this interpretation of World War One, and um, yeah, it, it's over. It's peace for now. It's they go. The, I think the final shot in the story is they go to the wall of uh, lost ones of soldiers who haven't returned in London, and they see Steve there, uh, and they all kind of have a moment. To right, kind like of, a uh, picture of Steve, not like yeah. actual, not like a ghost. No, of no, no, Steve. no. <laughs> a forced ghost of Steve appears yeah. and starts. And saying, Anakin's <laughs> there. It gets real weird, real weird. <laughs> then it cuts back to present day. Um, she's Diana Prince, but she's still Wonder Woman. She still fights for this world. Yep. And then we cut the credits, right? So credits. Oh, thank you, Chris. Now, everyone <laughs> who is listening, you know, we, we've gotten some questions, you know, why do we do these kind of recaps before we really start talking about a particular movie? And that's just so that everyone, I, we all know that you've watched these films, but it's just so you can kind of have an idea as we're going through the movie you know, it's just a quick kind of run-up review. Uh, maybe it's been a couple of weeks since you saw the movies. We, we just do that as a courtesy. But I think, Chris, you did a fantastic job. If this yeah. one seemed a little longer, it's because a lot of stuff happens. But unlike Suicide Squad and definitely unlike Batman vs. Superman, <laughs> everything that happens pretty much serves the story. So, yep. so even though a lot happens, and, and we did kind of take a little bit longer... It all makes sense. The story actually has a narrative that you can follow. Um, right off the bat, that is what this movie shows in spades over the other DCEU films. Um, let's talk about uh, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, because uh, I've heard yep. it pronounced different ways. She doesn't seem to mind <laughs> one way or the other, so I, I don't know. I I think it's Gal Gadot, but like... Okay. I like Conan O'Brien called her Gal Gadot and she didn't, she didn't correct him. So, um, <laughs> the hair can be kind of like disorienting. A lot of people. Yeah. A lot. The slow-mo hair. Uh, a lot of people. No, Conan O'Brien's hair. Oh, Conan O'Brien's hair. Well, his yeah. slow-mo hair too. <laughs> like his slow-mo hair. Real life. Real life. Slow-mo hair. Uh, slow-mo hair. Um, including Ig, uh, you know, we had talked about this before. A lot of people were concerned that she might not be able to pull off this role, this particular character, because Wonder Woman is a strong, powerful woman in the comics. She's an Amazon. She's she's very physical, you know. I gotta say, 
I mean, also, I did a little research. Apparently, over like a six-month span, she did pack on 17 pounds of pure muscle. I'm wow. quoting the article here. Quote, unquote, pure muscle. Which, you know, I don't know if any of you all out there have tried to do this. You go ahead and try to pack on 17 pounds <laughs> of pure muscle. Not easy. It's not <laughs> it's an easy reason, thing to do. It's, yeah, it's a reason why fighters cut weight instead of put on weight. Right. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, and it shows. Uh, now, obviously, a lot there's a lot of CGI and stuff in there as well. Patty Jenkins did a really good job framing a lot of the fight scenes, the choreography. But a lot of credit has to go to Gal. Yeah. Um, she, not you know, my experience with her really has been from the Fast and the Furious franchise, like the earlier installments, and mm-hmm. that's not saying a lot. Like she doesn't do a lot in those films, uh, <laughs> which is fine, you know, but. For the most part, initially she was cast as just to be a, a pretty thing to look at, a pretty person to look at, mm. which is fine. But she's really taken that opportunity with this film and and ran it, ran it in for a touchdown. You know, yep. uh, I think, I, okay, and I don't want to make it sound like she's revolutionizing acting or anything, <laughs> but she did no worse, and I would argue much better than Con- uh, than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did in Conan, and and I like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it's sort of that level of expectation, and she she blazes past it. No, definitely, this is an icon that you're stepping into. That a lot of people kind of uh, criticize it at first, just because you know I guess Wonder Woman kind of reads as American for some reason, even though she's an Amazon, even though she's an ancient <laughs> Greek. Yeah, yeah, Fox News. <laughs> we saw you, Fox News. God. I mean, I, mean I, I guess everybody in D.C. kind of fights for truth, justice, and the American way, but she definitely has her own heritage. Um, I, I thought it was wonderful that they chose to go that route, that they chose to have everybody kind of have this middle uh, or Mediterranean sort of accent going on, mm-hmm. in, in Themyscira at least. Yeah. Um, no, I thought that was great. Um, d- was there... What scene for you sold you on Gal Gadot's performance? Like, where were you? When were you like, okay, like I'm in, you know, with her <laughs> performance? Because I, I think a lot of people were on the fence about hmm. her before this movie came out. You know, I really don't know. Um, I really wasn't. I had no kind of the casting corner for me was fine. Um, so you thought she was going to do fine? Yeah, going yeah. into it. Okay. Was no, there was thought... was there a scene where? Where you thought she especially shined, uh, hmm. like either maybe comedically that you weren't expecting, or, <laughs> or, pardon me, or even during the action sequences, like a particular action sequence. Well, action sequence-wise, it could either be where she's kind of ripping through all the Germans uh, at the end there, and he's kind of super powered by anger. Uh, I just thought I just loved the way that was shot. Um, I, I like it any time when you can com- uh, convey how powerful somebody is by kind of their relative movement. I don't know if that's the right term or not, right. but she, she's moving faster, way faster than everybody, and that was shot beautifully. Or the, the time where she's kind of using the, her lasso, uh, lasso truth, kind of as a defensive and offensive weapon at the same time. Right. Kind of whipping it around her. I think that was in, in Ver, Vert? V- Velt? Velt. Velt. Uh, uh, um, yeah, no, those action pieces were amazing. That's uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Otherwise, um, kind of just character building moments. I thought that when she actually just meets Steve Trevor... Um, kind of that kind of quizzical look in her eye when he kind of opens his eyes. I thought that was a good moment uh, because we saw her and she takes up the full screen when when he opens his eyes. Um, so, yeah, no, you could definitely tell that she was inhabiting that character. Yeah, 
I, I, I just was thoroughly impressed. You know, I, I wasn't sure how to feel about it. I was always hoping that this movie was really gonna was really gonna do well and be the movie that I've wanted these DCEU films to be, and it really was. Yeah. Um. I liked that when you brought up the lasso. I like that she's able. They were able to show her using the sword, shield, lasso, hand to hand, pain to foot, whatever you want to call it. She was <laughs> kicking and sliding. Um, just a lot of stuff. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't like a one trick right. pony. Um, you know, one of the minor uh, complaints that people have about this film is that they feel like it's so much like Captain America. I get it. I totally see that. Um, definitely with the end sequence with the plane, like you're, you're ending yeah. <laughs> both movies with a dude in a plane sacrificing himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not saying that's not valid. But here's the thing. What have we been asking for all of this time? We keep telling, we keep saying, DC, Warner Brothers, you could steal some stuff from Marvel. It would do you some good. Right. And they kind of did. And I'm not mad at it because guess what? It's an enjoyable movie. And, and now you really have something to build on. Um, let's let's touch on some of the other characters real quick. Chris Pine. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. Um, my, my favorite moment for him real quick was when they were in the alleyway. Uh-huh. And Diana's just kicking butt left and right. She's taking on all these dudes. It's very reminiscent. I know we're not the first people to say this. Very reminiscent of the Richard Donner Superman uh, when Clark Kent saves Lois from a bullet in an alleyway. It's That was definitely done purposefully. <laughs> uh, but the one little touch that I like is when Chris finally, or Steve Trevor, finally gets a punch in and knocks the dude on his butt. Oh, it's a shake his hand. He shakes his hand like Harrison Ford <laughs> in Indiana Jones, which is a great, great touch, and it really sp- speaks to kind of that era and that sort of thrilling adventurer-type feel that the film has, Yeah, uh, which I love. Um, real quick, uh, okay, actually, uh, any other characters uh, or actors stand out for you in particular, whether we're talking Amazons, villains... Well, the Hounding Commandos. Uh, yeah. Or whatever they're called the Black, here. Black Hawks, I think. The Black yeah. Hawks, yeah. yeah. Um, they had, they actually, they were pretty good. They had, uh, they first appeared to be kind of one-dimensional, but they, you can tell the writing kind of paid, needed to pay attention to them because they're definitely from different walks of life. They're, they're others kind of in this in this world. Um, and they each kind of have their own commentary. I think the actor, Said, he's, he says that he's an actor. He loves to act. He can speak many different languages. Uh, oh, that's the part I liked the best, uh, where she was kind of talking to him in the bar, and they and were going kinda, back and forth, going back and forth, languages. back and forth with languages. Yeah. I'm a language nerd, I ate that up. Um, but yeah, he can speak all these different languages. He can act. He's a beautiful. He's a great actor, but he's the wrong color. He says. Yeah. Um, and then that was, that was a nice uh, little scene. The Charlie, he has PTSD nightmares. Yeah. And Chief Chief comments that oh, he sees ghosts. Um, and then Chief even has a moment where he says that. I'm displaced. I, his people took my land, or his, his pointing, people. Pointing he, uh, to Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, an American, a white American. They took my land. Um, so, yeah, his people conquered. His people conquered his people. So, the world has always known some sort of war. But, yeah, it it, it was great. I like those character moments. That's really great, actually. And that's for any of these kind of films to succeed, you have to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. You have to make us care about the other characters, not just 
the titular character, not just the, the main protagonist. And I think this movie definitely did that better than any of the other DCEU films to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, the villains were good. Um, you know, I kind of liked that they... They kind of made you... I mean, I, I sort of spotted it early on, not trying to toot my own horn or anything. I was like, this this Sir Patrick character is, is being too convenient and too helpful. There's definitely going to be something at the end of this where this comes back. <laughs> um, but I do kind of like how you're seeing it from Diana's perspective. And so she's so single-minded and focused on the general the general is Aries, that that's kind of where the narrative follows. Right. And I like that you also have Dr. Dr. Moreau, uh, Dr. Poison there as well. So like, you know what I mean? Like there's, you're getting quite a bit of, of, of punch in your villain, uh, pack for your, your villain punch, I guess mm-hmm. is how you could say it, but not in a messy way, like in Spider-Man three with, you know, like <laughs> so many villains, so many terrible villains. Um, so good. Oh, so good. Um, but I think, I never really even liked how they put uh, Ares in the armor at the end, yeah. you know, because otherwise she's beaten up like a kind of an older British dude. Right. <laughs> so it's like a little weird. Um, but then he gets the armor on. And it's like, oh, OK. Like you really feel the physicality of what's happening in the film. Um, let's go into some real quick behind the scenes stuff. Uh, as sure. I was doing some research for this one real quick thing to look out for. Uh, I did see the film twice. I didn't even catch. I tried looking for it in the second viewing. But apparently Zack Snyder has a cameo in the film as what? a World War One soldier. Doesn't specify whether he's, you know, enemy <laughs> or ally, but he's in there somewhere. Hmm. Um, so look out for him possibly getting killed and having your dreams come true. They're true <laughs> believers. Um, some interesting things in terms of the development of Wonder Woman. Uh, a version of this film has been in development as early as 1996, when hmm. Ivan Reitman, Ivan Reitman, uh, was hired to write and direct a film in 1996, ultimately that fell apart. Later on in 2005, almost a decade later, no, none other than Joss Whedon, new the new co-director for Justice League and soon to be director for Batgirl, was hired to not only write but also direct the film. At that point, wow! Not only that. But Angelina Jolie was considered, heavily considered, for the role of Wonder Woman in that particular version of, of Wonder Woman film. Oddly enough, come 10 years later, when they were developing this film, they actually were considering Angelina Jolie for the directorial chair. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. They went out to Patty Jenkins. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, obviously, this is the film that leads up to Justice League. It, it doesn't do a lot to set up that film, I would argue. <laughs> um, there's not even a post-credit sequence, which was really interesting. I was honestly just... Yeah. Dis- if, if I have one complaint of the film, one chief complaint, it's that they didn't utilize this film, at least with the, with the teaser at the end, to set up Justice League. Like Exactly. It, you- it was weird, because Zack Snyder got a writing credit for story on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Is I, I thought that would mean that meant like oh it's just like how Joss was kind of involved in all the stingers uh, leading up to Avengers but no not really <laughs> there's no stinger there's the, the, just stylized credits yeah I mean the credits are cool don't get me wrong but like yeah. I feel like if you're DC and your whole thing the whole reason you're jamming down jamming this jamming down you're jamming this Justice League film down our throat so quickly 
as you're trying to play catch up to Marvel, then you got to use all of the opportunities you have. Use them like you. Here you go. You have a really good film that people are going to see. It's going to get good word of mouth. Now's your chance to throw something out there at the end of it so that people are getting excited about Justice League. Like, yeah. why did, what did you, why did you do anything? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of, that's one thing. And maybe they're just, they felt like maybe it's too Marvel to do that. But it's just like, to me, it's like simple marketing. Like you, you have a good film, you know, people are going to see it. Right. Not even like Wonder Woman will return. Right. Like get people excited about what's coming next. Like this is your chance. This is this is tune in next week, same bat time, same bat right. channel. Right at you know, Adam West. Like let's let's do that. This is next month's issue. Here's here's what you're you're gonna tease. They didn't do it. I thought that that was a really big missed opportunity for them. It's really my only complaint. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. The film is not like some people are going a little bit too far the other direction. Where they're saying that this movie is going to revolutionize the superhero genre? No, I wouldn't <laughs> go there. I it's very much Iron Man. It's very much ca- the first Captain America movie. It's an yeah. origin story. It's 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 a really well told origin story. It's well put together narratively. It makes sense. The bar was so low, you know, beforehand, <laughs> you could just walk right over it. But this this movie didn't walk over. It leaped over the bar like. It really did more than it needed to, and I'm 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 really happy about it. Uh, yeah. Real quick, a little bit more trivia, some some kind of neat little Marvel connections to this film. Kate uh, Blanchett, who of course is going to be Hela in Thor Ragnarok, was originally offered a role in this movie in Wonder Woman. Huh. Now we're not really sure. I tried to see which role that would would have been. I suspect it would have uh, probably most likely have been uh hippolyta like the the mother or pa- or possibly um uh Je- jenny what's her the aunt what's her oh uh antiope antiope uh one or the other probably the mother because if you already have um what's her oh my god slipping <laughs> on her name the, the girl she's a princess bride she's a house of cards she's uh... she's in forrest gump she's the main actress i can't think of her name this is terrible uh anyway that actress. I was, no, I was going to say Evan Rachel Wood, but that's not right. That's no, not right at all. It's, uh, all right. It's fine. Just let it go. But, like, if you have her and Kate Blanchett as, like, the two main women in the mascara, wow, that would have been cool. Like, that would have been really cool. Yeah. You can't blame Kate Blanchett, though, for, for taking the role of hell because she looks like she's going to crush it in that film. Um, Kobe Smulders, uh, who is uh, Agent Maria Hill in the MCU was briefly considered for the role of Wonder Woman. Uh, oddly enough, she actually went on to voice Wonder Woman in the Lego movie. Oh. So in the Lego movie, she is actually Wonder Woman. And lastly, Liam Helmsworth, brother to Chris Hemsworth, otherwise known Uh-oh. as Thor, was considered strongly for the role of Steve Trevor. So it's, it's just real interesting how, you know, the... This film, you know, people were kind of complaining that it's too much like Captain America. Well, it could have been a lot more like an MCU <laughs> film if just a few different things had had changed or happened. Uh, let me let's leave the discussion on Wonder Woman on this, Chris. What obviously Wonder Woman's going to be in Justice League, but if if we're up to you, 
Mm-hmm. What is next for Wonder Woman? Do you want to see a sequel, like a solo sequel? Do you want to see her in a like a duo film, or like maybe like kind of like a Thor Hulk thing, where like huh. it's her and a different character? What, what do you want to see moving forward for Wonder Woman and Gal Gadot? Hmm. Um. I kind of like a modern, uh, just a film, same kind of concept, solo film set in the modern time. Uh, I guess kind of like how the the Linda Carter series did. Like the first season was like you know she's fighting Nazis and stuff, but then right. it was like contemporary. So yeah, I would kind of like that. Uh, I, I I'm I'm just interested to see what what they can do. They they have carte blanche right now. Uh, they have a lot of narrative capital. They can write any story they want. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would definitely love to see a contemporary take. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think, and I think also, like you said, pulling from the television show, which which much like the Batman TV series, has a fond following, a a, a fond remembrance. And while some of it doesn't necessarily translate that well if you watch it now, um, or it doesn't age as well, but there's still a lot there that's that's good and great. And and to sort of pay homage to the fans of that series, I think there is a lot of stuff you could pull from. I love that idea too, by the way, of, of sort of mimicking the the time shift. Mm. Uh, again, I think people might complain about Captain America again there, but like, okay, so what? Like, they're not the same character. They're they have very different backstories. Um, and not only that, uh. The, and here's the other thing. We I definitely want to get some female voices in on this with Wonder Woman. We're going to definitely try to do that in the next few uh, recordings. Um, because this is this is sort of a landmark thing. You know, in the modern superhero genre of film, this is the first female-led superhero film. Be Marvel to it. Yeah. And Marvel had like a decade to do this. No excuses there. I'm not like we are MCU fans here on combo characters, but there's there's no excuse for that. Yeah, they had, they had plenty of characters and plenty of opportunities. I know they're doing Captain Marvel, you know, and I know they have Black Widow, but they they've had ample opportunity and time to have done something on this level. So kudos to DC and Warner Brothers. We definitely want to get some female uh, voices and opinions on this as well. Um, I'm really glad that we didn't have like a Ghostbusters situation here oh. <laughs> uh, where the movie wasn't good and then people would use the excuse that it's because it's got a female protagonist, a female superhero, that that can't work. Like they're going to be like, it's like Catwoman. See, it can't work. No, man, just Catwoman's not a good movie. It's just not a good movie. <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. And that new Ghostbusters film, like I'm glad it exists not that good though it's just not that good of a script like i don't care who you put in those roles you can only do so much the script the, the third act is pretty terrible mm. it's just is what it is so i'm glad that none of those things were hampering this film though and i'm really happy super excited to be able to finally genuinely embrace a dceu film yeah if you're listening to this, I don't know why you wouldn't have seen it yet because we spoiled a bunch of stuff for you. Uh, but go see it and go see it on the big screen. It's definitely a movie that benefits from being seen on the big screen uh, for sure. Yep. All right, man. Uh, any final thoughts on Wonder Woman before we move move on, move forward to other darker, sexier things somehow? Ooh, what? Uh, no, let's just steam forward right ahead. Okay. When I said darker, I mean, uh-huh. 
none other than the dark, evil, sinister Uh-oh. symbiote Uh-oh. Venom. Okay. So good. So good. So hopefully good that it will erase the uh, the terrible memory of the Venom from Spider-Man 3, the same Remy Spider-Man <laughs> film. Uh, we've got huge Venom news. Now, I, I know that this is not new anymore, but we definitely wanted to cover it as a topic here in Comic Characters because we got a big bad. We got a big bad and a major dude playing Venom in an upcoming Sony Sony developed film. And we'll get on to that in just a second. So all bets are off. I'll be <laughs> Tom Hardy. Tom, be, be, do you do it? I don't even want to do it. You do it. You do it. Do the do the thing. You, you being adopted this symbiote. There you go. I was born with it. Yeah. I mean, Folded he, by it. He adopted it too, but oh yeah. But uh, Tom Hardy's going to be Venom in the Venom movie. Awesome. My thoughts right off the bat are yes, fantastic. Tom Hardy is a badass. I'm a fan of Tom Hardy. The ladies love Tom Hardy. I think the dudes love Tom Hardy. Most people seem to love Tom Hardy. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Tom Hardy as Venom? Just that on its own. No, that's a perfect casting. Uh, they, I'm actually kind of excited that they can do whatever they want. I guess they're just holding on to licenses at this point with the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no. Go for it. If you got that big of a star, please go as crazy as you want with this story. So for those that don't know, what Chris is referring to is that Sony is going forward with a Venom film that supposedly, at least up to this point, has no connection to the MCU, no connection to Spider-Man, <laughs> which, how are you going to do that? Like, those characters are two of the most closely linked foils in all of comicdom. Okay, like literally Venom is the symbiote's first on Spider-Man. He rejects it as part of that rejection and as well as Peter's rejection of Eddie Brock on the on the uh, on the alias side of it. That's kind of what brings the symbiote and Eddie Brock together in the comics. Now, I've talked about this many times before. I am a big comic nerd at the same time. No, (laughs) no. Right. At the same time, I'm not married to the material. I think especially with the films and even the television shows, if you want to take some uh, gambles, want to swing big, you want to do something a little different, by all means, it's a different medium. You're telling Mm -hmm. a different story. You don't have to marry the comic. It doesn't have to be Eddie Brock for me. I I, I think it would be cool if they did do Eddie Brock. They could do something else. They could just name it name it a totally different dude. They can do a totally different backstory if they really wanted to. There's that rumor about that movie Life being a backdoor sort of origin for the symbiote. Because hmm. that's produced oh, by Sony snap. as well. Right? Yeah. You want to do that? Okay. Okay. The thing is, the Venom character is so just so tightly connected to Spider-Man though even from like his power set his look like it it's so closely married to that other character if if they're going to try to set this up without any involvement from the Spider-Man character from the Peter Parker character I think they could be setting themselves up for failure what do you think about that Chris um yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, I mean, he uses basically the same power set. You're right. It, they're 
the most immediate foils I can think of in comic book history. Um, other than, I guess, Superman and Bizarro Superman? Or Lex Luthor, right. I guess? Um, no, it would be Superman and Bizarro, Bizarro Superman. Bizarro, yeah. It'd be like if you made a Bizarro Superman film just that <laughs> never referenced Superman, and you just called it Bizarro. Like, you didn't... He, went, he had the suit and everything, you know? But you just never reference it. Like, that is essentially the same thing. You would yeah. never do that. Uh, I, I don't know. Are they, are they feeling themselves? Can they think they... Do they think they can replicate the success of Deadpool? I, and yeah, and I think it, I think there's been talk about it being a rated R film, which hey, I'm all I'm down for that too. Venom definitely is a character where you wouldn't have to force an R like that. He can lean into an R pretty easily. Um, I just I'm real worried about that. And the thing is, you know, Tom Hardy is great, but I mean, it's not like you know, good actors are ruined. In, in bad films all the time. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see, but that's just, I mean, obviously we're very excited about it. Um, and we're going to have guests on in the future that are also very excited about this. We'll touch on it more as more things develop. Cause we're, yeah. we're at the very, we're like at the very, very beginning of all of this. The first cushion of casting corner. Right. We're going to, we're going to see where this goes. There's a lot to be hashed out. I'm worried because it's Sony. Yeah. And we already saw the mess they made with Amazing Spider-Man and how they were trying to set up the Sinister Six universe and all that. <laughs> so, you know, and there's other news, too. We'll touch on it in a future podcast, but don't worry. There's there's a lot of other stuff going on. We're aware of it. And what we're going to touch on it, too, uh, involving some of the female characters in kind of the Spider-Man mythos. I'll just tease it that way and we'll, we'll get Ooh. to it eventually. Okay, moving on to Spider-Man, Spider-Man proper. We won't spend Speaking a lot. Of. Of, we won't spend a lot of time on this because uh, the movie's almost coming out. I'm, t- I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm not tired of talking about Spider-Man, but I'm tired of having Spider-Man Homecoming things ruined for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired I, of seeing it before I see it. I I feel like I've seen 30 minutes of the film already. I I've been avoiding things. We've put an embargo here at CBC. This is sort of an exception because it's not really from the film. Like, it's a separate thing that they made, you know, specifically for this, which was cool. But I was really scared when I first saw these little uh, trailer commercial things on YouTube. And that's that Spider-Man Homecoming has done this unique kind of synergistic. I don't know. That's the right word. Almost. 9.8. Okay. Almost stuck the landing. Almost stuck Uh, the landing. With the NBA for the NBA Finals. And it's, it's this series of ads where Tony, Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, has tasked um, Happy Hogan to task Peter Parker to get snacks for none other than Tim Duncan. <laughs> like, it's like I wrote and produced these commercials. I can't believe that this is a thing. It's like my two favorite things in one thing, and I love that. Um. It's a series of commercials. There's about three or four of them. Uh, DJ Khaled, DJ Khaled makes a uh, cameo appearance. Wow! In these commercials, um, we'll throw the link. There's actually a YouTube thing that smashes all the commercials together, so you see the full story. Uh, it's really cool. It's it's a little cheesy. Um, I'm not gonna lie, but it features Tim Duncan. He's literally in it. Living legend. He's referenced multiple times. Greatest power forward of all time. Uh, and we get some some kind of fun little Tom Holland, you know, Spider-Man stuff. And a little bit of Robbie, Robert Downey Jr. doing a little bit of Tony Stark. It's nice. And it doesn't have anything to do with the film. 
as far as I know, that scene is not in the film. <laughs> I hope it's not in the film. I can't put it past them at this point. But uh, yeah, what do you, what do you what do you what do you think about this? I mean, I know we're oversaturated at this point. I mean, I'm just impre- I'm just impressed he's not a Knicks fan. Uh, <laughs> he helping out Timmy. Yeah, <laughs> represent Spidey. Spidey's a Spurs fan. Also, 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 just last thing before we move on. This means Tim Duncan is in the MCU. This is canon. Like, that's canon, man. Like, Tim Duncan exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, man. So, so projecting this to the Punisher series that's slated, do you think he's going to make an appearance? Yeah, maybe he makes the car. Like, Tim's got, like, an auto body shop thing in uh, in real life. So, maybe he does. You know, he's (laughs) been on the cover of the comic book before. Totally could happen. It's a real thing, folks. I don't think I'm ever going to be more excited about something than this <laughs> right now. You can tell. All right. The worlds collide. <laughs> wow. Is that a Power Man 5000 reset? Yeah, dude. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, all right. Here's something that I know everyone's jazzed about, and it's pretty cool that we got it this week. Black Panther. Not only did we get a, a really cool promotional poster, it's good to be the king. Mm. We'll throw that in the thread on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash kneel before pod. But we got a trailer. We got a full trailer with a lot of stuff in it. Mm. Uh, I've been talking a whole lot. Chris, I know there are certain aspects of this trailer that you're a big fan of. Why don't you tell us and all the listeners out there, what were some of your highlights for this Black Panther trailer or first uh, look at the movie? Uh, the minute I heard... Uh run the jewels start playing uh i the hype level just went just shot through the roof yeah i mean all my jewel runners out there you know what you know what time it is uh lp and mike the new the new uh jewels and vincent uh if they're like again this was a <laughs> see hearing suffragette city for the trailers for guardians 2 right i was really really hyped kind of let down it wasn't in the movie if they're gleaming any sort of attitude from rtj to put into Black Panther, homie. <laughs> you like it? It's amazing already. Yeah, yeah, I've watched that trailer like twenty times. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's nicely done. Uh, I gotta give. I don't know what what part of the Marvel Studios uh, development team, whether it's the marketing side or on the film side, that's that's merging and kind of marrying these these songs with these trailers and whatnot. But man, they're they're just killing it. They really yeah. are. Um, my favorite thing on the trailer, uh, I, though I, I do concede that point, that the music is fantastic. So much so that I've seen a few articles out there on the internet that are like, can't get enough of that song from the Black Panther trailer? Here's where it's from. Like, there are literally articles that are framed that way right now. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really excited about the our first look at Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. Um which is a villain in the in the uh, Black Panther comic book series and in the kind of the MC or the Marvel Comics universe as a whole. Um, he's supposed to be pretty much Black Panther's equal in terms of fighting prowess and and intelligence and you know he's very conniving and cunning. And Michael B. Jordan looks like he's ready to wreck shop. Like mm-hmm. in the trailer, you can tell that he's going to be a fantastic. Um, foil as that character for black panther and i'm i'm psyched about that i know we get a lot of uh there's been a lot of pushback not we I'm, i don't work for marvel yet 
But Marvel gets a lot of pushback about how a lot of their heroes, the villains, are just the same character, like, fighting <laughs> themselves, essentially, like Iron Man and Iron Monger and so on. Um, and you're getting a little bit of that here, I feel. But I don't know, man. There's just something about how you see Wakanda... They really gave it its own flavor. Oh, shrouded in mystique. It just—it doesn't look like anything else you've seen. No. In the you get, way you get Bilbo and, and Gollum going back and forth again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Stark used to say that. Like Smaug, he, Smaug is gonna sling ring in there, poke his head in. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Who's got my gold?" Or what? I, I don't. Whatever. That <laughs> no, no, that was a good small. Okay, thanks. <laughs> that thanks. works. Okay. <laughs> Um, but kind of like Asgard, right? They made Asgard look so yeah. different from anything yeah, yeah. else. Same thing with Wakanda, though. It just looks so different. The setting, the environment, it really takes you to a different place in the MCU. And because of that, I am I am super psyched. And mm-hmm. uh, the cast looks fantastic. Uh, the action sequences look amazing. I will say one very small critique is that there's a sequence where like Black Panther is like jumping over a car or something that's like exploding on the road. Yeah. And there's like a concussive bomb or something going off. It looks a little too CGE too CGI ish for me. Uh but oh, a little little too video game, yeah. A little too video game, a little too rubbery. But this is real early. Like they can still work on that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they they do that. Like they can they can improve that scene a little if they want. They could take it out. They could take out that sequence. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge that too harshly. I, overall, I'm pretty psyched. How are, you, how are you feeling after this first trailer? No, pumped. Yeah, uh, this had the same effect that Thor Ragnarok trailer had. I'm I'm so invested right now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a good time to be a fan right now, right? It's a good time to be. It's good to be the king. It's good to be a fan. It's good yep. to be a fan of comic books and comic book culture. You've got DCEU finally, finally taking off in the right direction. Uh, hopefully Justice League. I've seen that Justice League trailer so many times now. Um, yeah! Yeah! I, I will forever say that as much as I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I really feel like they missed the boat on casting him as Lobo. <laughs> Like he's just Lobo. Why did they yep. just make him Lobo? Why would don't even put Aquaman in the film? Just put Lobo <laughs> in his place, just, or whatever. Make Lobo the villain, and then have him be a good guy later on down the road. Like that would have right. been a good villain. Jason Momoa's Lobo would have been fantastic. Whatever, because um, it looks like they're just gonna turn Aquaman into like a wannabe Lobo. Meh. Uh, that's a cool sequence, though. I know some people are hating on it with him riding on the Batmobile, but whatever, dude. <laughs> if you were nine years old and you saw that commercial, you would lose your shit and you would go get your Batman Batmobile right. toy and you would go find your lame-ass Aquaman toy <laughs> and you'd be real sad about how lame he looks. <laughs> the only, the, back in the day, the only good use for your Aquaman toy was as a projectile. <laughs> but you, you, you play with those toys. Like, immediately after seeing the, the trailer, you would do that. Um, yep. Got off track a little bit there. Uh, looking at Thor Ragnarok, like you said, I think everyone's excited about it. I think the the reaction to Black Panther has been almost unanimous, unanimously positive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just a great time to be a fan of this stuff. Uh, real happy. Good job, Studios. Good job, Marvel Studios. Good job, Warner Brothers. Y'all, y'all, wow. keep, y'all keep it up. <laughs> All right. Going into what... Well, I guess how would I put this? We're going into a segment of pop culture. That well, since we're we're yeah. all spoiled fans, right? We yeah. we have so many different outlets, so many different things we can consume. One thing that we can can consume is anime. Right. I was gonna say the live action <laughs> version of anime and manga to this point. Has oh yeah. Not really worked out. Kind of like video games, has not really worked out. Unfortunately, most recently we had Ghost in the Shell. Very. Uh, mixed reaction to that film um, but we've got another stab and well I'll be damned if it isn't maybe my favorite anime series of all time yeah I mean this this was the series that really showed me that anime could be so much more than the little kids show little kid cartoons right cowboy bebop the beloved beloved cowboy bebop which is what we're on like uh what like it's 20th anniversary maybe beyond that uh next year will be i think uh start the oav start coming out in 98 and in 99 man 20 years almost old man. enough old enough to drink cowboy bebop as a series we are going to be getting a live action series now this is going to be a television show am i right yeah okay do we know what network yet not just yet um the variety piece i read kind of was a little sketchy on the details <laughs> right uh they kind of got a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, original details wrong about the story uh just kind of on the production end of it which is kind of weird for variety but they they fixed it I mean, um they're trying right like <laughs> yeah it it just says uh tomorrow studios partnership between somebody and somebody uh so they have a a production outfit for it. I don't know if it has a home yet. All right, Chris. I know this is kind of more in your wheelhouse. Real quick, for those listeners out there that aren't familiar with Cowboy Bebop, just Ooh. don't. <laughs> the whole show is like a, a whole season of episodes. So, <laughs> but just what is it about? Like, what the are general, they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not gonna I, do. A, I'm not gonna do a rundown two for this episode. Don't there's worry. also a real easy comparison that also has a big fan following yeah, 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 of yeah. a live uh, action show that yeah, I think might yeah. be. But yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Cowboy Bebop takes place in this solar system <laughs> in the future, in 2078 or so. Um, cowboys are actually bounty hunters. That's that's how they're referred to, uh, to kind of help the intergalactic police, uh, inter- intersolar system police, help them prosecute and catch everybody. They they send bounties out. Right, keep and, things nice and tidy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so bounty hunters called cowboys. That's what Cowboy Bebop is. Bebop is actually the ship of one of, the, of a couple of these two bounty hunters. Um, they kind of go about usually capture their bounties, but sometimes kill them uh, accidentally. Sometimes they just die. Uh, it's it's kind of a, a it's a western kind of set to mm-hmm. jazz in the future. Um, I mean, they already kind of made one. It's called Firefly. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, if you saw Firefly, then you've seen Cowboy Bebop for the most part. You see 80% of Cowboy Bebop. I, I would definitely recommend to check it out on uh, whatever service you can. Uh, because, like like you said before, it's a touchstone. It, it was kind of like um, anime. It, it's growing up period. It really happened when Cowboy Bebop hit the stage. Um, not that there weren't like mature-focused uh, anime before, 
but it's just this was in series form this was um it could be you know the audience grew up with it and expected more than sailor moon and dragon ball yeah and i think i think it's great it really surprises me in a way that it's taken this long because firefly um you know, although it got canceled sort of prematurely, has a huge following and yeah. people love that show. And this is just like a, almost like a different version of it. But it totally could take place in the same universe. In yeah, a way. it could. Um, it also take one of my favorite things about it. One of the things that I, I feel personally um, that I noticed was that it takes some um, some of its. Oh, man, I, I I'm having trouble putting this into words. It takes some of its <laughs> of its of its uh, cue cues right from the Twilight Zone. Um, it, it does have like a bit of a sci-fi morality uh, tinge to it, angle to it in a lot of the episodes. Um, like whatever's happening on the screen or between the characters, there's underlying kind of uh, thematics at play and i really like that about the show i hope that's something that they carry over into the live action series because i think in the hands of the wrong people or depending on the angle that they take for this show they they might focus too much on the action uh yeah and and that's not really what the show is about uh right there's there's like um five or six episodes that are like really plot heavy and they kind of like this is the overarching plot of the entire series, mm-hmm. but it's like a twenty-six episode run, and more more, more often than not, they're just kind of character pieces. Like right. they show up, and this is a situation here. It's character, it's world building. Um, yeah, if they really do kind of bear down and focus on it, I guess like X Files season seven through nine uh, with the plot, <laughs> then it's gonna you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, I. I definitely hope, and you you totally nailed it. Uh, it's a very character driven show, and so I think as long as they stay true to that, it should be good. It'll be real interesting to see who they cast in the roles yeah. in the main roles. Um, I know when they were talking about it being a feature, that the name at the top of pretty much everyone's list for Spike was uh, Keanu Reeves. Yep. Yeah, um, I think he was involved in like the back end too. He wanted to like produce on it as well. Yeah. So he was invested in he was invested in the series. There has been a picture that's been going around for a couple of years now, but it's getting a lot of traction again. It's from Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Andy Samberg series. Right. It's uh, of Andy Samberg. For some reason, Terry Crews is holding uh, um, a corgi, and Andy <laughs> Samberg's holding like a blanket, uh, a towel up to some woman's face, kind of trying. To, they're looking at somebody like camera where the camera is uh-huh. and somebody's gone through and photoshopped uh terry cruz to look like jet black yeah uh andy samber to look like spike and just put phase hair and headband over the over the girl <laughs> so that's basically who you should cast <laughs> i haven't seen that but that you know that's uh, funny we'll put in the thread yeah no we'll definitely throw that in there uh i wouldn't you know andy samber is not somebody i would have pinned for it but you know i've seen him do some stuff um some more serious stuff where I, you know, I that's not completely out of the question, and that I actually want to see that picture now. And I could totally see uh, Terry Crews doing the the jet black, yeah, uh, thing. And I mean, you got to have a corgi in there somehow. <laughs> that's really funny though that they put that in the in the actual show, like that it mimics it even yeah. to that level. Like, with the corgi, yeah, with the corgi. I wonder if that's on purpose. Maybe I'm sure because that show is real goofy and like weird, and I'm sure the some of the writers there were fans of 
cavalry. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely touch touch on that as we get more information uh, moving forward. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't suck. That's kind of what I say about everything. I would say don't ruin my childhood, but it was definitely not my childhood. Right. Don't don't ruin our like high school year, like late uh, high school. Uh, don't uh, don't no, don't worry it was about definitely it. Definitely college she, for me. She's gonna make herself sad right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so we're gonna end this particular podcast with what uh, we're gonna be we're gonna call "Tales from Alamo City Comic Con," and uh, it's just a quick rundown of some of the experiences Chris and I had at this year's Alamo City Comic Con. Uh, overall, I, I got to speak to a lot of artists, uh, some of the vendors, some of the celebrities, um, so on and so forth. Uh, pretty much a resounding success. It was a little interesting because this one in particular had a really short turnaround time. Yeah. Um, normally they're in October. This one was over Memorial day weekend, which, uh, again, was short notice. So in terms of getting guests and so on, uh, a quick turnaround there, you've got a lot of people going on vacation that weekend. There are a lot of other conventions that were going on that weekend, like really big ones. So some of the, the, the talent pool, so to speak, uh, was a little thinned out. Uh, but still a good time, and, and generally everyone I spoke to really, really enjoyed themselves. Uh, wait, did you just send me the photo? I'm gonna yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look at it. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. That the quote, is but hilarious. Yeah. No, that is amazing. <laughs> All right, we'll definitely throw that on the thread. Um, but yeah, so uh, just uh, real quick, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna run down a few experiences that I had, some of the people I got to talk to, and mm-hmm. uh, and then and I'll give Chris some time to just do so as well. Uh, I think. Far and above the most, you know, quote unquote, celebrity person that I that I got to speak to at any real length uh, was Rob Liefeld, and um, so he was there uh, d- doing a signing and um, and whatnot. And I gotta say, I know Rob Liefeld's reputation. Okay, um, he he comes off as kind of a dude, bro, on the internet. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people uh, like to criticize his art style, which I get. He has trouble drawing feet. He has trouble drawing chests and heads and everything mm. else, depending on what picture you're looking at. There's one in Captain America in particular that is r- oh, ridiculous. Yeah. But when he's on, like when he does a good, like when, you know, like sometimes he nails it. Like there's there's some Deadpool stuff that he's done that's been really great, some Wolverine stuff that's been really great, some Shatterstar uh, which I know Alex will be real happy that I referenced Shatterstar. Uh, <laughs> stuff that's really great. So he has, he definitely has the talent. It's just, I don't know what happens in some of those other instances. But I have to say this. I got to speak to him for about like eight to ten minutes. He totally had my attention. Was not distracted. And could not have been nicer. Hmm. Um, I didn't buy anything from him. I didn't, he was charging for autographs. Um, I was kind of acting more in an uh, journalistic role at the time so I wasn't trying to get his autograph or anything I did I did take a picture with him I mean I am you know I am a nerd I'm gonna take a picture <laughs> of Rob Liefeld but but we you know we we just talked a little bit and he he was super nice um, you know one of the things that you know I just kind of asked him you know I noticed that you've been doing conventions a lot more um, I know that that you've been doing some artwork, like variant stuff, stuff uh, for for image and whatnot, and other companies. <clears throat> what do you, 
what what is kind of the most important thing for him um, right now, like with what he's doing in terms of comics. And he hmm. said that although he likes doing the variants, um, he is concerned that with so many variant issues, uh, and this is a little inside baseball, but so if you're a comic book fan, like reading comic books, you'll notice, notice that over the last year or so, um, a lot of, I mean, this is all the publishers are doing this. They're, they're doing, you know, a hundred different covers for a particular comic book. So like, you know, Batman, uh, the Dark Knight, Master Race, or whatever it's called, or Venomverse, you know, number one. There's 50 different covers of that one comic. And and uh, what happens is they're like store exclusives and, and so on, but you're not paying 3 4 $5 for this comic. You're paying 10 15 20 30 40 50 $100 mm. because of how exclusive it is. And, you know, he... he he did seem concerned that 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 might bring about you know if it doesn't get reined in a little bit that it it could it could bring a crash to the comic publishing side, kind of like in the nineties. Um, he also, um, you know, and he said that he understood that this is kind of part of the business, but the whole uh, grading thing where like people take their comics and they mail them off and they're graded by a third party and they're putting these these like plastic slabs 8.2 right and then they're autographed like you can get them autographed but like a certain person has to witness that autograph <laughs> and if that person doesn't witness wow. it then it doesn't count and they won't authenticate it and like it's this whole process and people are just losing their shit about it one way or the other uh you know he 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 actually took this policy where now if you give him the first appearance of Deadpool or the first appearance of Cable comic, his regular autograph is like five or ten bucks. But if you give him one of those comics, it's like sixty, because what what's happening is people are going and getting these comics and and bugging up the line with a bunch of different bunch of copies of New Mutants ninety eight first appearance of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting him to sign him and getting the witness and taking all that time just so they can flip him on the internet or whatever. Okay. And, and and so he's trying to price him out, right? Well, he's just trying to like get it so that the fans are like in line and that he right. gets to talk to the fans and stuff. You know, like like he's like he he made it a point to say that he understood that like that's kind of part of the, where the business is, the industry, and the secondary market. But it's still annoying, and I get it. Like if you doing if you're doing these conventions all the time. Yeah, man, it would be annoying if some dude was, you know, brought me sixty copies of this one comic <laughs> and had this other nerdy dude standing there witnessing the signature or whatever. Like, you know, instead of getting to like talk to fans and stuff, like, which yeah. is what he said he wanted to do. Um, but but again, just could not have been nicer. Uh, was was really sort of surprised because based on what you see here on the internet, um, but really really genuine guy. Uh, real quick. I also got to speak, and I say speak, I, I don't know if you would even count this, to Neil <laughs> Adams. Neil Adams is one of the great artists in comic books. He's well known for doing Superman and Batman, a lot of DC stuff. Um, has done some Marvel stuff as well over his years. He, he he was like the young kid back when Jack Kirby and like Stan Lee were doing their stuff. Like huh. Neil Adams was just breaking in sort of as like Kirby was like getting out, essentially. Um, but he's older now and, um, everything you hear about, uh, Neil Adams is true. 
<laughs> he's very curt. Uh, he wants his 30 bucks for his autograph. He'll say a sentence to you. Hmm. If you want to take a picture with him, it's another 30 bucks. Uh, yeah, I, I did actually ask him one question. I got one question in for him. I said, you've drawn so many iconic characters over the decades. What is, what is, who has been your favorite character to draw and or what version of that character? Mm -hmm. And he looks at, he's, he's doing like a sketch at the time. He's drawing this huge panel thing for somebody. Somebody paid him $1,500 to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks up and he goes, without skipping a beat, he goes, at the end of the day, it's just drawing a bunch of naked men. That's what he said. That's all he said. That's all he said to me. I was like, fair enough. Wow, that stone has been worn down. <laughs> but I, you know what? I kind of like that sense of humor, though. I'm not even mad at it. But it's, it's like, all right. Uh, I also got to speak uh, to Class Jansen. Uh, th this guy was involved with Frank Miller. They did a whole panel with uh, uh, Andy Kubert. And Brian Azzarello, because uh, they're doing the the new Batman series that Frank Miller's doing, and they were in a panel. But I actually got to speak to class, uh, like at his booth. Super nice guy, like maybe the nicest guy that I encountered at this convention. Hmm. Uh, just real friendly. Um, again, these guys are busy, like they're doing commission work and stuff. So I wasn't trying to take up too much of his time. Um, he actually said that he really loved drawing Robin. Uh, he likes to draw Robin uh, because everyone always asks for Batman. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> just a little tidbit there. I got to meet Sam Keith, who is um, it's worked for Marvel and DC, uh, worked for pretty much everybody. Most well known for creating the Max character for Image Comics. He's a very distinctive art style. Um, uh, a lot of people love it. I think it's fantastic. It's sort of exaggerated. It's very burly. It's like a very big art style, the way he draws. Um, he, he does a version of Bane that's pretty crazy and out there. <laughs> um, Sam was actually a, a pretty reserved guy. Uh, I even I asked if I could take a picture with him. He said, sure. He goes, but do you mind if I hide behind the comic book? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, like, he, you know what I mean? Like, he was, he was shy, but real nice, real nice guy. And lastly, I got to speak to Brian uh, Azzarello. Brian Azzarello uh, is the uh, guy behind 100 Bullets, which is a fantastic series. Chris, actually, I think you would like it a whole lot. Hmm. Um, it's about um, 100 Bullets. Each bullet is bent for to kill a person. Oh. And, like, so this guy, he's an agent. He comes up to you, and he's like, I, I will kill this person for you for, like, a price. Like, there's, like, it's almost like a pack with the devil kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a hundred bullets, you know, it's a hundred stories, whatever. It's really good. Uh, Brian's real interesting. Um, very sarcastic, like to the point where I, I know that some people are kind of chafed by him. I remember reading some articles after that, uh, the killing joke animated movie came out mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he was getting mad at some of the fans who were like, why did you have Batman have sex with Batgirl? That's weird. That's almost like his daughter. <laughs> and he was, he essentially was like, get the fuck over it. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of who he is though. Like, 
if you talk to him in person, it's he's just sort of like that. He's kind of very East Coast that way. Um, but uh, but you know, he still made it. I took the worst picture in the world with him. It's awesome. My eyes are closed, and uh, it's great. I look terrible. Uh, but actually, you know, I mostly got to hear him speak at the panel. And one thing you, you definitely can say about Brian is that he's very passionate about this business. Um, like loves looking forward to the next project. And here's a fun little tidbit. He liked Batman versus Superman, Donna justice. Huh? He thought, and, I, and, and as, I mean, as I, one would appreciate a car wreck. I mean, I don't agree with, with him liking the film, I think the film was terrible, but he did make a good point, which is a point that I've shared before, which is look, the movie doesn't have to be like the comic. He even took it a step further. And he said something to the effect of the characters don't have to mirror the characters that are in the comic because the comic still exists, right? The comic characters that you love exist on the pages of those comics and nothing takes that away. So if they want to do something totally different in the movie that doesn't make any sense compared to the comic, then that's fine. They should be allowed to do that. That was essentially his argument. Yeah. Uh, and I can kind of see that. Yeah. Like to a point, I can see that. I think you should try to stay true to the character to some extent, but, but yeah, at least he, 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 you know, he has strong conviction there. Um, and, and like I said, was cool enough to take a moment. I literally just bumped into him walking around. So, you know, he took a, a couple of moments to talk and take a picture. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, what, what was your experience there, Chris? Overall, it was a much better run uh, convention than last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it uh, benefited from the reduced crowd size because uh, it felt kind of – I went on Saturday, and my brother and I were kind of remarking how it's a lot less crowded this time around. We didn't know if we were early at 11 o'clock yeah. um, in the morning, but – uh, yeah, the crowd was kind of. You could actually walk around. It was nice. <laughs> you didn't. You weren't packed. You weren't packed in like sardines down. Yeah, you weren't shoulders sho- sho- shoulder to shoulder, right? Uh, walking down the hall. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't a mass of Spartans trying to get the <laughs> yeah. the next little spinner or whatever. My God, spinners were everywhere on the oh, expo floor. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was great. I, I had, actually had a lot of fun this time. Um, I went to go see a couple main things. Uh, the Star Wars panel had a had a uh, Ian McDermott, uh, the Emperor, Emperor of Palpatine, mm-hmm. and it also had um, man, I'm blanking on his name right now. Peter Mayhew. Oh, Peter, Peter Mayhew, yeah, as uh, as Chewbacca. Oh. So <laughs> the very same. Yeah, <laughs> easy fellow. <laughs> no, it was it was great to see them kind of uh, banter back and forth, uh, just to hear the stories. Um, there was a little bit of Q and A, but you know the Q and A's are never really that great. Oof, yeah. Uh, especially for Star Wars panels. Oh no. <laughs> no, I mean Ian McDermott was really personable. It was great to hear. Uh, great to hear him. Great to see Peter. Um, yeah, no, that panel was great. It was kind of. Yeah, I guess the main theater wasn't available to them, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but they they may do with with where they're doing the panels. Um, the second one I went to was um, the artist who does some of the uh, uh, the comics for Overwatch. Uh, right. The video game we keep dropping. <laughs> right. By the way, everyone, if you're not playing Overwatch, play Overwatch. It's fantastic. It's such a good game. And just real quick, I'm going to go ahead and plug this, even though we don't yeah. know if it's good or not. There is going to be an Overwatch comic book, like, trade paperback that is coming oh, yeah. out later this year. You can pre-order it on, like, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, probably your local comic shop. Um, but if you're a fan of the game, you might want to look in that direction. Yeah, the Overwatch comics—they're uh, you can go see them now for um, at Blizzard.com. They're great. They they do this kind of whole thing where 
you can get the full page right now and, and read it by yourself like a regular comic book, or mm-hmm. you can kind of go through and click uh, their animatic kind of way. Oh, cool. They actually animate a little bit uh, of, of the comic. Uh, yeah, no, Bengal, he's done work for uh, DC and Marvel. He's done some variants for Spider-Gwen. Um, yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen, I, I have that. I have the his oh, nice. variant for Spider-Gwen, yeah. Yeah, now he's a real personable dude. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> the panel kind of just evolved into talking about Overwatch. People asking him like, "Oh, who's your main?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's nerding out. Yeah, it's like he guys like, I, I play. I'm just an artist. I I draw the comics sometimes when they let me have the work. Uh, he was also French. Um, but no, yeah, I actually asked a, asked him a question in that panel because uh, it was really informal. <laughs> it was like the smallest room they had, but we were just raising our hands to ask questions. Nobody wanted to. A bunch of you know, introverted nerds. But um, I, I said, to me, Overwatch really kind of uh, is a video game analog to the Avengers. They both kind of look the same. They both kind of have the same powers. I asked him, uh, which would you, which member from the casts would you switch uh, if you could have an Avenger in the Overwatch team and vice versa? And he thought, it's kind of an interesting question. He said that it'd be really cool to see Spider-Man in Overwatch just because he has actual superpowers and would completely break the game. Uh, it'd be a, he, he went on to say it'd be like a great event. Like there's this one character in the game that's just screwing everything up. He does everything better than all the other characters. Right, he's just webbing everyone, yeah. like swinging around. Can't be shot because he's moving too fast. <laughs> yeah, which would be awesome. They should totally punching Reinhardt off the map. Like <laughs> exactly. Um, in the reverse, he said the the Avengers should really have somebody like Reinhardt who could you know have a huge shield. Because Avengers always charge into danger and they always get shot at, so he can offer a little bit of cover. Yeah. So now I mean, it was it was I, I was uh, it was fun for me to ask that question just because it always plays in the back of my head when oh, yeah. we play. We, we talk about this all the time about how Blizzard and the and the team behind Overwatch should just make a Marvel game. Like, please, oh like, my god, it would be the best thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, other other yeah. than that, just uh, random people I saw on the floor. Um, DMC was there. Yeah. Of from, Run DMC. From Run DMC, right. Uh, he's a lot taller than I imagine. He's <laughs> a little bit taller than I am. So I almost ran into I was like, oh. oh. But when um, worlds collide, man. Talk about 5,000 of those power men. Yeah. <laughs> All in all, it was a pretty good con. It was really, yeah. really, really fun. It was a really good time if... Um, uh, so not, the thing is, like now I don't know what they're gonna do because they have a they have a horror like a horror Alamo City Con Halloween sponsored con, but it's like a horror themed, and that's I think it's only gonna be for one day or maybe two days in October. Oh wow! So Weird. I'm wondering if they're gonna move the primary con to to May, like to Memorial Day weekend all the time. But I don't think that's a good idea. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if any of our, I'm sure some of our listeners here uh, work with. With Apple or other people, Apple being the 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 guy behind Alamo Comic Con, and he, hey, he's done a great job building that thing up over the last five years. But um, I think that would be a mistake to to keep it on Memorial Day weekend because I think it's it's uh, too many people are doing too many other things. You know, it just fits in so much better with the whole Halloween vibe. Yeah, you get to do the costumes. People are going to do costumes anyway at that time of the year. Uh, the weather is better. It's not a thousand degrees outside. Um, it's not as congested downtown, but we'll see. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure how they're going to do all that. Cause like I said, there's going to be a, a horror themed kind of con, um, in October. So I don't know if that's taking the place of it or, or, or what moving forward, 
but it's always fun to go to. Um, also, I got to I got to very briefly uh, see and talk to Dave Batista. Like, I mean, I'm literally talking like for a minute. Um, at that, he was real cool. Um, I had to wait three hours to fucking see him, but it's worth <laughs> it. I got to talk to Karen Gillian, who is oh, nice. so insanely nice. Uh, she played Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. I got her to write thanks. Da- oh, I got Dave to write, ah, my nipples on this poster. <laughs> I'm just like, he laughed really hard at that. He really enjoyed that. I got Karen to write thanks, Dad, uh, which is her line from the first Guardians film. I was worried that she wasn't going to get it. But, yeah. Yeah. I thought she wasn't. I mean, I was like, this is going to be too weird. But as soon as, as, soon as uh, she saw my little note, she went, thanks, Dad. Like, she did the <laughs> she nice. did the voice, like, right away. And I, I was like, oh, awesome. Like, she got it. Of, of course she did. Um, but super-duper nice. One of, definitely one of the nicest celebrities um, I've ever encountered. I actually, real quick, just remember that uh, this isn't totally comic-related, but just throw it out there. I went to the Goonies panel, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, Sean Aston and, and Samwise. Samwise and Kikwan. Super nice. Kikwan hasn't aged at all. Data or data. Data data uh, from Goonies. He literally looks the same. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> um, Corey Feldman was vaping <laughs> during the panel. Because, <laughs> of course, Man. Corey Feldman was vaping during the oh, panel. God. I was so convinced he, he was the one that died, but no. I was uh, so there you go. There you go, listeners of comic book characters. There's there's that little tidbit for y'all. Um, <laughs> as we're as we're closing shop this week, please feel free to comment and like our page on Facebook, comment on Twitter, give us a review up on iTunes. We're on iTunes. You can download and subscribe on iTunes. It's probably the easiest way to get the podcast. Uh, feel free to shoot uh, reviews there or like topics you want us to cover in future episodes. We do read those. Uh, so we'll definitely uh, take a look at that. Let us know what you thought of Wonder Woman. Are we just over like are we over the moon for it because the other movies were so bad, uh, or is it legitimately a good film? Like I think it's a legitimately a good movie, uh, definitely a good summer film. Uh, but let us know what y'all think. You know, uh, you know, what, did you did you take uh, qualms? Do you have qualms with with the film? And uh, until next or, time. Or, yeah, no. Uh, no, no. or did you have a long goo with the fume? Almost. Almost <laughs> made it. We had this super extra long episode because we had to cover the movie and all that. And I thought we were there. So close. So close. And along everywhere. So far. So far away. Along uh, or, or right next all right, all right. All right. All right, dude. Okay. Just... <laughs> Just put the Wong in the holster for now. <laughs> Wong it up. Wong it up. It's like wrap it up. Everybody along your chung tonight. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. On that note, until next time, the Fortress of Potitude is closed. Stay super, everyone. So Wong, y'all.